to a little vampire surf from the band D. Crabbin. It comes from the album Welcome to Surf Trash Island. You can find them over on Bandcamp at dcrabbin.bandcamp.com or on Facebook or follow the link in the show notes. If you want to head there yourself, though, go to d-i-e-k-r-a-b-b-e-n.bandcamp.com. They gave us permission to play the song Vampire Surf on episode 218 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome back to the show, unless you're a brand new listener, then welcome for the very first time. I hope you enjoy your stay. I hope everybody is enjoying the interview with actor Wayne W. Johnson. He's the man that wore the cape and bared the fangs, bared, bore the fangs? put the fangs in his mouth to play the role of Dracula in the 2015 movie Tales of Dracula, directed by Joe DeMuro. Now, we've had Joe on the show in the past, and we're going to have him on the show again in the near future. We've had Tom and Mike and Dwight, some people that were involved in the film. Well, this time we're talking to one of the lead actors, the villain of the piece. Now, in episode 217 of Monster Kid Radio that went out a couple of days ago, we talked with Wayne about his influences, his background, why he decided to get into acting, what motivates him, the kind of movies he liked to watch growing up, and how he got involved in Tales of Dracula. Right before we ended the discussion in the last episode, we mentioned something called Star Trek Phase 2, or you might know it as Star Trek New Voyages. Wayne will tell us the difference between the two when we talk about his involvement in this awesome fan series inspired by the original Star Trek. So Wayne's a guy who's gotten himself involved in some iconic productions. Star Trek, Tales of Dracula, he is Dracula, and he'll tell us a few stories about shooting both Star Trek and, specifically, Tales of Dracula. We're going to get to that and a few other things right after this. At this lonely crossroad in the Carpathian Mountains, four travelers find themselves abandoned at nightfall by a local coach driver who was afraid to go any further. There's no driver. A coach with horses that knew the way. A table laid for four. Was this kindly hospitality? Isn't your master joining us for dinner? No, sir. I'm afraid not. Is he indisposed? He's dead. Why should a dead man be interested in entertaining guests? Dracula, Prince of Darkness, King of the Vampires. For ten years, his mortal remains were cherished by his faithful servant, awaiting the opportunity and a victim to provide the life force for the reincarnation of Dracula. A strange premonition warns the guests at Castle Dracula that their host is ready to receive them. I must kill him. He is already dead. He is undead, Mr. Kent. He can be destroyed, but not killed. Where's Charles? You don't need Charles. Christopher, what insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? (laughs) People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but... There are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. 
Oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something from archive.org and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. (laughs) Sure. Why don't you click over to orphan-entertainment.jonja.net and remind yourself a little more about the show. Will do. So let's see. That's orphan-entertainment.jonja.net. Hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie sometime? Mm Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. They live by night. They hide in the dark and rise from the shadows. They can never feel the warmth of living human blood in their veins. Their bodies are cold and dead. Dracula versus Frankenstein. serves the dead, a dead man who controls the doctor and a living creature horribly created from the mangled corpses of their victims. Dracula versus Frankenstein. His blood is cold, but his mind is keen. He cannot die, for he is already dead. His name is Dracula. Another lives, but his body belongs to the dead. The two will join forces, but only one will survive. Dracula versus Frankenstein. cemetery is a cold, lifeless place to visit at night, unless you're already dead, and your name is Dracula. Together, in one film, they meet in a fight of fright. The kings of horror battle to the death. Dracula versus Frankenstein. You've mentioned Star Trek, and I, and I got to talk about Star Trek because I think a lot of monster kids are fans of the original Star Trek. How did mm-hmm. you get involved with Star? Well, for people who don't know, first of all, Star Trek: New Voyages Phase Two, I think, was one of the first serious fan productions as a series wasn't it when it first started i believe it was the first one yeah. back in 2003 or 2004 i think it's it launched yeah and it's come a long way since yes. uh, this time i mean it's and the thing that's interesting about that is you see it's growing pains i mean that's like with me as an actor or even as a musician if you watch stuff you see stuff and it's like some people are like when they see you for the first time they judge you pretty harshly sometimes deservingly so but also, you got to keep in mind, some people, it's, it's not like I came out as a totally trained actor. Total, I'm not like on level of Clint Eastwood or Robert Downey Jr. or any of those guys. I'm not at that level just coming right out of the gate. You know, it takes time. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes people are going to see your growing pains. So, like, I'll watch some of my old stuff and I'll be like, uh. <laughs> you know, I, I, I am, I'm my harshest critic. It takes a lot for me to be really like, wow, that's even like there's some stuff in, in the Dracula stuff I thought I could have done better in hindsight. But it's always a learning experience and you just take that and you try to raise the bar with each project that you do. And uh, with phase two, basically a friend of mine, his name is uh, Jeff Forsythe. He's a local producer here in Syracuse. And he put out a call he's always putting out calls for various films and stuff. And he put out a a casting call for extras in a corridor scene. You know, basically you're like a red shirt, you know, and I thought, (laughs) you know, that'd be kind of cool to, to, you know, I was a fan of the original series and I'm a huge fan of, uh, Star Trek two, the wrath of Khan. Oh yes. I thought Ricardo Montalban was just 
he just knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. is on. I mean, I'm just like, wow. I could watch those clips like all day long. Oh, yeah. Basically, I saw that and I said, mm, you know, it'd be kind of cool to be wearing one of those shirts. And I got in contact with him and he got me in contact with uh, one of the producers at the time. Her name was Patty Wright. And very quickly after that, they asked if I wanted to play the role of a character from the animated series named Ensign Dawson Walking Bear. In part, I think the because I do look Native American, mm-hmm. although I have no Native in me whatsoever. I just play one on TV. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it was partly with that, but also I think in part because they didn't have a Sulu at the time. So they needed somebody, although I part... Chinese, so I, there might have been a way for me to do that, but it wouldn't have been very convincing. Well, you would have had to cut your hair, man. Come on. Well, no, believe it or not, the the man who plays Sulu right now, his, I can't pronounce his last name, but his first name's uh, Shyaporn. Everyone calls him Shy. Okay. Uh, he actually has hair just as long and thick as mine. Oh, really? I saw at the last shoot that we did last year, he got into a Sulu wig that he has because he does his own thing, and you would not know he's wearing a wig. Huh. And I need to learn how to do that <laughs> because I, there's some roles I have to give up because I can't chop my hair because I'm doing stuff with my hair long. And that's part of my image in a sense when I'm getting hired. A lot of times they want a guy with longer sure. hair. So I can't just chop it uh, per se. I found out real early on my type. Uh, or at least the type that I tend to lean towards. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is it's much easier for me to play a role where I'm inflicting damage on somebody than a role where the damage is being inflicted on them. So that means the villains. Sure. Okay. You know, the evil guys. It's just, and again, the, like I mentioned before, it's a little easier for me to do characters that are a little over the top, a little more dramatic, so to speak, a little more, uh, energetic in a sense. I mean, like when I'm playing NOS, you think, oh, you're just playing a zombie. There's not much to it, but. Actually, there is. There's quite a, especially if you're playing the modern mindless zombie. I mean, I had in my head, I watched some movies on recommendation from Jonathan Strait and like 28 weeks later, Dawn of the Dead remake. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had in my head, like, I'm this mad, rabia infested wolf and I am going to just plow through everything. And I literally did at times. I actually damaged stuff on set. I injured myself more often than not. I really got into that mindset. I mean, there was a scene where, um, I guess I can say this now because uh, I guess it's not going to (laughs) matter, where they they rented out a brand new, at the time, uh, 21 Ford Mustang. Okay. For the hero to have. And one scene I'm supposed to, and I really hope this shows up in the bloopers. (laughs) I hope there's a blooper reel for this, especially for that film, because there's so many that will probably involve me. (laughs) So the thing was, I'm supposed to be charging, like sprinting full blast, and then I punch right through the windshield. Okay. Well, nobody, including myself, realized until the very first take we did that, that when you're running full blast towards a car, you can't stop on a dime. Oh, no. So I literally plowed into the car, oh. <laughs> you know, and I tried to jump over it. And I just, I mean, the whole car was like shaking and the cameras on the other side of the car and they're like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> and, you know, and then the fourth time I did that, I kept doing it. I, I couldn't stop. And the fourth time my leg hit the side mirror oh. and broke it. And it just, it's sitting there dangling. And this is a rental, <laughs> you know, and we're looking at it like, ah, uh, yeah, Wayne. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And I'm sitting there like, (laughs) which was my, that was my main line, by the way, in that movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was a stretch. (laughs) Terrifying. Terrifying. (laughs) I forgot the original question. No, no, no. We were talking about Trek. 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 Okay. Sorry. But anyway, um, so I went there and basically it was supposed to be just like for that episode, which was the original Mind Sifter. Not to be confused with the Mind Sifter that was released last year because that was, it was totally redone. Mm -hmm. That version of Mind Sifter, I was brought in, and I did well, and uh, basically I was asked to come back, and I've done a couple more episodes since then. And to me, it's like if there's if Sulu's not there, then you know Walking Bear's there. If Chekhov's not there, Walking Bear is there. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's interesting because it's definitely more akin to uh, higher level sets. And there's a lot of a uh, lot going into it, a lot of heat <laughs> because of all the lighting that's involved, oh, yeah. especially. And you got to realize, I mean, um, these are like full sets. Now, when I joined back in 2011, they were in Port Henry and it was uh, the whole set was basically like it used to be a used car dealership, if I remember right. And the, they only had two permanent sets. One was the bridge 
and that was on the first floor. And then upstairs they had the transporter room, which unfortunately had a metal roof, and they would film like twice a year, usually June, July, and maybe August sometime between August and November. But in June or July, you know, you're elevated, so it's going to be hotter anyway. And then you've got that metal roof on. So it's boiling up there, with especially with all the lights. And even on the first floor, with all the lights, because this is a 360 bridge, it's not like a partial bridge. I mean, you you have the whole entire bridge, and it's made according to the original Desilu blueprints. All the stuff is. Producer James Cauley, he's very, very much a stickler for detail. He wants it as close to the original as possible. In fact, you know, that includes costuming as well, because he's also a seamstress. So he makes the costumes as well. And he's got the original blueprints, the original material, all that stuff. He's very, very intense when it comes to all that. So, you know, filming under there, I sweat like a hog. So one of my, you know, I'm walking bear, but you could throw anything in front of bear and usually it's sweaty bear. Because <laughs> you know, I basically can, I just sit there and within two or three takes, I'm sweating. So I, you know, the makeup person has to come and powder me down because otherwise I start shining. Um, so, and if I keep shining like that, I'll probably combust like a, like a, like a sparkling vampire. There you go. Uh, there you go. So, well, you know, when I talk, when I first mentioned it, I said it's a fan production, but I think people are going to get the point. It's not just this like little fan production. James Colley and company have, constru- they're working on a new set now, aren't they? They've got one heck of production company making these things happen i mentioned that you know the earlier sets were mm-hmm. in port henry but last year they moved to uh, ticonderoga and they've got this new facility and what they're basically doing is they're recreating the original desilu sets so that all the sets uh, all the scenes like like uh, not just the bridge and the transporter room but like sick bay the engineering room captain's quarters all that stuff they're all fully built so all you have to do is bring in the lights mm-hmm. and the cameras and stuff because what they had to do back in port henry was let's say it was sick bay what they had to do is they had to build it and wire it and get all the lights in there and then you film in there and then they had to tear it down now it wasn't obviously built from scratch of course there's panels and all that stuff but it still took a lot of time mm-hmm. whereas now with the sets already there now they just got to move much less it's it's much less of a hassle and you know if you didn't know any better you were you would think that you were stepping back in time yeah to the original desi loose sets because they are built same materials based on the same blueprints everything i mean so you go up there i mean everything's working i mean that thing that's next to sulu for example that rises up and down yeah that thing that works and um unfortunately i found out there's a button that you don't hit because if you if you hit that thing it gets stuck oh no (laughs) (laughs) so and and the battery keeps going and then obviously just and then it runs out and then it's stuck there there's certain (laughs) buttons you just don't hit on that thing you know so you know if there's somebody new coming in like a new sulu i say don't press that button that's the history erase button (laughs) it just erases everything (laughs) you know so now with that production they've had cast and, and crew from the original series and beyond mm-hmm. involved. They had Walter Koenig, they had Denise Crosby on there. Have you had a chance to interact or work with any of the uh, originals? Unfortunately not. Okay. Um, not that yet? All happened, that, not yet. That all happened uh, before I came on board. George Takei was also in an episode. That's right. That's one of the top rated episodes that they have. It's a tearjerker. Um, and George did you know, everyone did awesome in that. I remember when I first got on board with, at the time it was just phase two. With the release of, um, Mind Sifter, the new one last year, the way I, it was described to me was if it's early on in the five year mission and it's Star Trek New Voyages, if it's later on in the five year mission or after the five year mission, then it's phase two. So it's a little confusing, but that's how it was described to me. The Mind Sifter one, is Star Trek New Voyages, whereas an episode I did a couple years ago, which is going to be released either this year or sometime next year, called The Holiest Thing, that involves uh, how Captain Kirk first met Carol Marcus. Mm. That's what that story's about. That's establishing how they met and kind of setting the tone for what happens later in the movies. Um, Because they're very, very strict about trying to stay within canon, but also trying to answer some questions, kind of like what Joe does. You know, Joe in Tales of Dracula wanted to answer certain things that were never addressed and or answered within the classics. You know, and even some what ifs. Mm -hmm. Victoria Frankenstein was never really part of the canon, so to speak. You know, how did 
they initially all meet, you know, the Wolfman and Frankenstein. I'm, again, I'm not too familiar as of yet with the classics, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that was really established. But I know Joe mentioned in a couple of interviews before that was it was like in part one of the reasons for Tales of Dracula was to answer certain questions. Sure. And, or, and or just take little things. And like uh, Dwight, I think, mentioned about Fanny Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> initially. You know, that would have been interesting. I'm sure that would have been the butt of many jokes. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, but going back to phase two, they were one of the first ones. They've had a lot of guest stars. So, and unfortunately, I I wasn't there when that happened. You know, hopefully, hopefully someday in the future. Are you going to continue with phase two? Are there more walking bear or sweaty bear scenes coming? Sweaty bear. <laughs> I'm actually not involved in the current episode that's happening. Oh, okay. So it's really up to them if Walking Bear shows up again or not. Um, I don't know. I basically, you know, if they need me, they'll contact me. So start your write-in campaign now, listeners, if you want more. <laughs> yeah. I've actually had some uh, some supportive people. You know, when if obviously you got the big three, you've got Spock, McCoy, mm-hmm. and Kirk. And you know, it's like the original series. You know, they're they're the main characters, and then you have the rest. And then Walking Bear really, you know, he was like he was only on one episode of the animated series. So it's not like I'm sitting there going, well, you know. I have to be featured here, and I, you know, I know my role, you know, within the organization and stuff like that, you know. Sure. So it's not like I'm going to all of a sudden become this egotistical, tyrannical person and demand more time and stuff like that. It's it is what it is. Sure. I'm just grateful to have the opportunity, you know, especially on a high level production like that. Sure. You know, whether they use me as Walking Bear or even possibly another role, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I've kind of done that, and there's actually. I've been in talks with, um, I can't mention anything right now because nothing's set in stone, but you know, right. I've talked with a few other fan productions too about playing different roles. Oh, good. And stuff like that too. And phase two is the main one, but I always ask for permission, you know, because I don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything like that. And so far everything's been green lighted in a sense, but hopefully within a year or two, there'll be some stuff in addition to phase two that I can say that I'm doing and they'll be different. I mean, I've done a little bit. There's actually um something I did before. Unfortunately, all that stuff got put on the cutting room floor. Oh, man. I received a lot of great uh, compliments in regards to that. And it was one of the villains. Oh. You know, so again, that villains are kind of my forte. So, mm-hmm. you know, Walking Bear is a good guy. So I can play good guys, but I seem to flow better with when it comes to playing bad guys. <laughs> so it, you know, it is what it is. And um, that happens a lot, too. I mean, there's there's stuff that, you know, even in Tales, for example, that got edited and cut. And that's just part of film business. How much pressure is there when you step into a fan production like Star Trek that's got so many people in, you know, invested in that series? Or with Tales of Dracula, I mean, it's Dracula. It's the big guy, you know, it's the big, the big bad. How much pressure is there as an actor for you? When you take on a role like that, it's interesting because it's kind of uh, you know the extremes with, with those two productions in particular. Mm-hmm. Like I was just saying with uh, Phase Two, Walking Bear really is a, is a minor character. So sure. In terms of living up to that character, I mean, I remember I I said I've never seen the animated series. Now, of course, they have guys there on set. They've got all the episodes on DVD, <laughs> and they're right there, and they watch them during the break time. I mean, everything is Trek, Trek, Trek this, Trek that. <laughs> everything is Trek. You know, or politics, and I don't talk about politics, but you know, so I, it's just <laughs> for the never, best. For the it's best. a never-ending argument. Yes. But, um, <laughs> you know, this guy said, "Oh, you want to see it?" I said, "Yeah, let me. I want to see what this. I want. I like watching stuff." And I, this is going to allude to the Dracula thing in a moment, but I'll watch it and say, "Let me, let me see," because I, I don't want to again play something that's totally different than, especially if it's, it's a role that people know. It's not a role I'm creating; it's a role that's already been established. So I don't want to just go in there with a mindset that I'm just going to totally create everything unless I have permission to. Now with Walking Bear, I watched him, and it's funny because James Duan, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. For played Scotty, he actually did his voice. Uh, he did a lot of voices actually on uh, mm-hmm. the animated series because a number of people couldn't weren't available, so he did them. Uh, so he did Walking Bear, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, "Well, I can play him just like that if you want," but he looks like he's tired. <laughs> you know, he's kind of <laughs> the way he's speaking and stuff, and he's just kind of he's very kind of stiff. And um, if that's and they said no, just make it your own and to a degree i did that but then again you you have to work within the confines of the script there's some great 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 actors on board and you have to know your role right sense walking bear shouldn't be overpowering anyone really on there let alone the big three 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to go within the confines of the script. The boundaries of the script, I should say. You know, if I'm just sitting there saying like stuff and it seems kind of boring, well, that's the character and he's supposed to be a professional crewman. So he's not going to be like all dramatic and all this stuff. It's not like firing weapons. It's like, you know, and I was given permission to kind of make Walking Bear my own. So I did throw a little bit of a few little things in there. And if the scene I was in made the cut in um, the holiest thing, because uh, I already saw it because it was supposed to be released, I think, last year. Right. But I remember watching it and I was like, OK, I, there's a little thing that that definitely you never saw Walking Bear do that. And that's me. And it, sometimes it's unintentional. I even did it in Dracula. And it's my snarl. It's like a Billy Idol kind of... <laughs> when I get mad and when I'm kind of really into it and stuff, it just appears. And if you watch real closely, just to, for people who don't know, if you watch when uh, Dracula appears in front of the priests, mm-hmm. watch the first part, real, my face, really closely. You'll see it. There's that sneer just kind of creeps up. <laughs> and I'm not even aware I'm doing it. It just it just happens. And there's other scenes where, like, if I'm really mad, and I've had people go, "Wow, I mean, it was so intense because your cheek was quivering." Uh-huh. I'm not aware that that's happening. That's a nice name for a band, Quivering Cheeks. There you go. <laughs> Which could mean something else too. Oh no! <laughs> <You know? laughs> More butt jokes. But um, <laughs> so when it comes to to phase two. I just want to make sure that I deliver the lines the way that, because uh, the script writer is usually there. I want to do justice to what he had in mind, and I want to live up to the standard. So in that sense, as long as I'm not blowing takes, you know, having to do it over and over again because I'm blowing lines. And like the last time, I basically went in there, and I think I made maybe one or two errors. But other than that, I actually, again, this is me propping myself up here to fall because, you know, somebody's going to come up to me and say, well, you said this in this interview. <laughs> um, I was just... Not only was I saying the lines consistently, but also with the, the same way, which is also very important as an actor because you're always going to be doing multiple takes. It would be so beautiful if you could just do one take and then just forget the lines and just jettison them because that's usually what I do when we're done, when the takes are done. It's just, it's out of my head. Now I can put something else in there. But there are times like you'll be on sets and you've got to do like eight, ten takes. And they've got to be the same, not only the same intensity, but also like hand movement. If you're doing that, you got to do the same because otherwise your editor is going to look at you and start hating you. <laughs> you know, right, yeah. like, oh, well, he said it differently here. He said it differently here. His face moved differently here. Is You want to try to be as consistent as possible. And luckily for me, with, especially with that episode, I, I got complimented by a number of people that they were saying you were just consistent. Just right on. Every time. So the pressure really isn't too much on that. Now, Dracula, on the other hand, totally different in a sense because now that's the iconic role. Right. Okay. There's so many movies and so many interpretations of Dracula, and that's such a huge shadow. So I was initially, you know, intimidated by that. You know, it's kind of like, damn, I'm, I hope I'm up to the task here. And I think I mentioned this before. I'm my harshest critic. Mm-hmm. And I also have this weird, this, this, detachment when I watch myself on screen. It's almost like I'm not watching myself. I'm watching somebody else. Kind of strange. I can't explain it. But definitely I, I wanted to make sure I did my homework. And Joe had the final say. You know, if if he thought I was doing good. I mean like for example, um I I watched an earlier cut of the film, uh Tales of Dracula mm-hmm. and I'm in the office with Victoria Frankenstein or Courtney. And uh when I introduce myself I do that little thing with my hand. Yeah. Of course, I forgot to do the, the Frank Lagella three thing when I was doing that. that was, so I beat myself up over that. And, but then I did that little hand gesture saying, I am Count Dracula. Looking back on it, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I was, oh, maybe that was a little showy. And Joe said, no, that, that was more, I thought you were being more like the, the Bela kind of Dracula and stuff like that. And he was fine with that. So really, I rely on the direct, you know, to make sure that I'm doing fine. And I want to make sure I'm doing fine too and doing justice. But I was, you know, I wanted to make sure that I stay true to that. I didn't want people... If the worst that happens is people say, well, I don't like long hair on Dracula, I'm happy. <laughs> Seeing stuff like... I've seen already a couple of reviews, like I'm creepy, I'm menacing, tense. I love that. That's great. That means I did my job. If I hear, like, he's cornball, well, then that's... Yeah. That's not what you were going for. Yeah, <laughs> not what I was going for. I mean, everyone's different. Not everyone's going to like what you do. Um, I learned that early on with music, you know, especially music. I mean, you're going to get slammed like crazy. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be... There seems to be a kick-me sign on back of musicians for some reason. And actors to a degree, too. But 
I definitely felt the pressure on that. It was also a great sense of uh, excitement too, because there's that challenge of meeting that expectation. You know, so I wanted to, and I'm always trying to push myself. You know, to be better mm-hmm. and uh, raise the bar, and uh, hopefully, I did that. How was it interacting with the other? "Quote unquote monsters" in the film, and you've got Doctor Frankenstein, you've got Frankenstein's monster played by Joe. Mm. How was it interacting with the other monster type characters? Well, Joe's lucky because um, I didn't wear my pumps the day we were fighting, <laughs> so, so he be- he became taller than me. Um, <laughs> actually, that was a that was a really interesting night. The, the night we did the fight because unfortunately and this is on my shoulders and I don't know if I've ever said this before it might be on there but what happened was um, I was filming with another production okay, uh, the same day oh wow Tales was done in Binghamton the other production was done in Utica that was uh, for Slade Collins and the Tree of Life and in that movie I play a bad guy named General Czar he's like an ex-Navy SEAL which I don't know why he's called General because he's in Navy but oh well <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you didn't um, write it you didn't write it yeah no, no. But <laughs> that character his hair is slicked back and he's dressed up but we're there and I said well I had to leave by 4.30 because I've got to be in Binghamton by 7 so we can do filming now Tales had started filming by noon okay so they were already filming you know and I'm supposed to be there by 7 and you know everything so I didn't get out of Utica till 6.30. Oh, no. And I had to go home and wash because you're not going to – you didn't want grease-gelled hair with Dracula here. Right. <laughs> you know? At least I don't think so. Maybe there was in an earlier version, but we had already filmed me without it. So I had to go home back to Syracuse and get that stuff out of my hair, which was a good thing because there was really no water on the set. No running water on the set where the location was for for the Frankenstein laboratory. Right. There's no running water. I mean, there was a porta potty outside. But yeah, not the same. You know, yeah. So yeah. So I I couldn't even wash my hair. So I'm glad I I chose to do that. But unfortunately, because of that, I didn't show up on set till eleven. Oh. And again, I had to be made up, and it takes me an hour to get made up by Ron. And then on top of that, one of my contacts messed up, so I was in pain the rest of the night. It was it was just messing me up. Badly, and I I can't see with those contacts because they're not like prescription contacts, so I'm everything's blurred because I wear glasses. I'm blind as a bat without them, basically. <laughs> Which it was interesting just to deviate there. We had to do some, you know, that one scene where I was with uh, Greta and I went forward to her when we were out in the forest and everything like that. Greta and um, Cassandra, you know, they basically had to leave me like I was a blind man because I'm <laughs> I'm totally in the dark. So picture Dracula being led around by by two women because he's totally blind. If they just ran and left me off i couldn't get out of the forest i can't it's just totally pitch dark so that that's an interesting visual right there be like hello <laughs> anybody here <laughs> help me anyway so i get there at 11 we don't get everyone's dead tired you know and i'm apologizing like crazy and stuff but then we do stuff so that fight that me and joe did uh that was like at three or four in the morning wow that we were doing and everyone is just dead tired and you know and i'm also in pain on top of it because of my eye you know i learned that from from working on nos because the very first night i uh was on there they put all this you'll see when the movie comes out i mean there's a teaser that's out on youtube right now for that and you you can see a very brief look of me in the makeup and that took an hour to put all that stuff on me and once that makeup and the contacts are in and i've got gore and blood all over my hands and stuff i can't do anything right until that stuff's off. So in NOS, they had me on in makeup at 11 at night, but I wasn't used till five. Wow. So they were, they were running into problems with set. So I'm there and I'm in major pain in my eye and I can't do nothing because my eyes are allergic to the normal stuff that they use with contacts. So I've got to use this pure free stuff. And nobody knew that. And I didn't even think about that at the time. And so I'm there and, you know, so it didn't take me long to get into the zombie character. <laughs> you know, I'm in pain. It's like, yeah, I'm going to crack. I'm going to kill things here. Yeah. And that was in a way with Dracula, too, because he's raging. He's so there's there's times where I'm like, I'm ready to rip Joe's head off. You know? And working with Joe was great. It's very cool to see him all done up and everything, even though I think it takes him four hours to get into that. So it's um, pretty intense. Yeah. And with Tom, it takes like about at least an hour, probably probably more than that. Although with Tom, I mostly worked with him when he wasn't in Wolfman mode. There's right. really no scenes where we're together like that. And 
maybe that'll be in the sequel if the, if we get enough money for that, which would be it's suggested the title is going to be Tales of Dracula, Dracula versus the Wolfman. That's oh wow! It. Now whether that comes about and happens, you don't know, but it, it depends on how well this one does. Sure. But Tom was great. You know, he was very helpful with everything, and he was willing to do anything really i mean he he's got multiple roles in the film he, in terms of like a lot of crew work because he would just go in there and just okay i'll do this i'll do this i'll do that you know both those guys everybody actually i had a great time working with everybody on that set i mean everyone was very helpful easy to work with wouldn't it didn't have any divas <laughs> for those who don't know if you go to the if you buy the dvd there's also a blooper reel <laughs> so there's some interesting moments there <laughs> My favorite moments in the blooper reel is whenever they zoom in on Joe and he's mouthing the lines that somebody yeah. else is supposed to. Those those are great. <laughs> yeah, what they should have done um, actually just as a as a gag take, they probably should have done it one time and put duct tape over his mouth. Oh, there you go. He's <laughs> 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 <just> like, he's <laughs> like, <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> what was the scene like with because you and Doctor Frankenstein, you have a confrontation. You and Victoria Frankenstein, Courtney Bennett played her. Mm-hmm. That, I thought, was probably one of the more intense scenes, the final scene between you two. Mm-hmm. How was that shot or that scene like for you? That night in the laboratory, that was the same night that I just described with the oh, fight. okay. So, again, we're all dead tired. So, it was all and, done at the same time. You guys are all, so, okay. And in addition to the, the first scene where I throw um priest mm-hmm. across the, the thing, that was done, that was the very last thing that i shot oh okay in the same night and that was like at four in the morning oh wow like that, that was there so but the thing that really struck with me number one it was interesting because we shot from the angle that you see there and you see it's like one continuous shot you know and then joe was like okay let's go on to the fight and it's just like well we're not doing any close-ups or anything like that and but joe knows those classics by heart and you know and, you know initially i was like hmm, you know that was that's feels kind of funny but then again maybe that's what happened back then right maybe you know with that kind of a thing so or maybe it was just because we were all too dead tired <laughs> to, to do anything that was that was great because she gave me a lot to work with you know with the way she was acting and stuff and you know i'm just totally mad and outraged over what would happen right you know we basically you know there was a few goof ups as you can see in the blooper reel sure well that happens but you know we, we basically blasted right through it it didn't take very long at all it was great the only thing I think that would have been fun to have is like, you know, when Joe is down there, I, I could have had like some true blood uh, <laughs> bottle <laughs> and I just put it on his chest while I'm drinking while Courtney's going on. <laughs> How's that for a tie in? There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know. So potentially another one. Uh, when I was talking to Joe and it feels like when you watch the movie, it, it's set up. You can do more. You'd come back. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. If they, I hope they call me back. I, even if I have to wear a wig, <laughs> you know, um, all of a sudden it's Nosferatu. <laughs> you know, just get his ears a little more pointed and just smash his face into the wall a few times. No. Uh, no. Oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry if I offended anybody with that comment. <laughs> I'm going to get all these. Oh, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The only thing I would ask, and it's it's funny because I've I've uh, I have some pictures of this. Is I would definitely love to have a suit that was more form fitting, because <laughs> uh, there's a picture on my on my fan page about this, and I don't know what happened. I mean, it was always a little big on me, but the last scenes that I actually shot with the film, which the last thing I did was ADR. I had to re- redo some of the voice right. lines and stuff. Which happens with almost any higher level production, but uh, the last ones I had to do was with uh, Mickey Ray with um, Bond Helsing, as Bond Van Helsing, you know, right in the stairway and stuff like that. And um, I remember putting on the outfit, and I'm like, "Are you sure this is the right outfit? I mean, I look like a little kid in his dad's clothing. I mean, this is huge. <laughs> <laughs> you could fit two of me in this thing." And there's actually a picture on my page where I'm I'm just standing there without the cape because the cape hides a lot. And I'm with my arms in a, like a Jesus Christ type pose. Uh-huh. And you look at this thing and literally I look like a little kid <laughs> wearing like a big guy's jacket and pants. I'm just like, we actually had to tie that up <laughs> in the back oh, wow. you know, because it's just so, you know, and actually um, for a production that I'm hopefully going to be doing next month called Romeo 3000, it's kind of more of a steampunk kind of theme. It's based on uh, the classic Romeo and Juliet uh, movies from Shakespeare, but it's our own take mm-hmm. on that. It's futuristic. 
and I play the role of Tybalt. Oh. I'm getting a shirt that not only am I going to use for that, but it's also very Dracula. It's basically the same thing. It's got the, the lace at the ends, the whatever you call that thing on the front, all that stuff. So I can double for that, and that's going to be custom fitting. So at least I'll have that. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm all for it. I've, I'll definitely make the time for that because um, that was fun, and I'd like to see where things go with the second one. As a fan, I'd like to see where it goes too. So hopefully something happens. But in the meantime, it sounds like you've got a lot of projects coming up. You've been talking about, you see, you're calling it NOS. That's the Night of Something Strange. Mm-hmm. That is that next on release for you, or, or is there something else coming up before that? I don't know exactly when that thing is going to be out on DVD. Okay. NOS was done back in, originally started filming back in 2012. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so it's it's been a long time, and for various reasons. But I know that if you go on their page on Facebook, for example, they do have uh, the poster up, which will probably be the DVD cover, and that's done by Devin Whitehead, and he does a lot of stuff around here locally, like he does the She Kills poster, he's mm-hmm. done uh, Empire State of the Dead, I'll get to that in a moment, and a bunch of other ones. At the She Kills premiere for cast and crew last week in Syracuse, the official trailer for NOS was released there, and I believe in a couple of weeks that's going to be available online. Uh, so you'll see a lot more. Right now, the only thing that's available right now is the teaser. Okay. Which can be seen on, on the Facebook page of for Night of Something Strange. It's, it's on YouTube. That hopefully within this year or next year, I'm hoping that. Because I've, I've been waiting for that one for a long time. Empire State of the Dead is a movie uh, that's going to be put out by Ron Bonk, SRS Cinemas. It was originally part of a zombie short film contest. And I actually was in two of them. But one of them didn't make it in time, unfortunately. Uh, that one was called Locked In by Hewitt Films. But that one is online on my page, WWJ Official, on YouTube. It's fully there, and I'm playing a stereotypical nerd. <laughs> With the glasses, the suspenders, the bow tie. And talking like this all the time. You know, it's just, just what I'm doing like this all the time. You know, it's just kind of talking very kind of rambling a little bit but being very precise in my words because there's a proper enunciation when you're talking like that you know it's <laughs> kind of you know so and it's it's it was interesting because what one of the requirements for that film was you couldn't be in more than one it's fortunately but unfortunately that i have a very distinctive look it's very hard to hide me um whether it's with makeup or anything you you know it's me that was my challenge i was even going to dye my hair blonde and i actually did that uh, and looked at it and said no. <laughs> so uh, maybe I just didn't do it right because I wouldn't be opposed to doing that um, for a role. But anyway, um, I've got the stereotypical nerd for that one. The other one that did make it into the film is from Mad Angel Films. It's called Blessed Are the Meek. And I play a killer named Draven and he's wearing skull makeup. And he's totally different than the nerd character. I'm actually shifting some personalities here and there. I'm kind of like a little like a, a Joker light. He keeps shifting here and there, and he keeps making these outrageous things. And I had a lot of fun with that role, actually, because I could just kind of go off and just improvise if I wanted to. And sometimes I did. I just would say stuff, and just it'd be totally out there. And it seemed to work. The official trailer made its premiere also at She Kills. Okay. And I think that's going to come out online soon. And I think that's going to premiere at Scaricon in Syracuse, New York, in September, I believe. And I think he's also going to be submitting stuff in festivals with that. Um, I already mentioned I had a small cameo in She Kills. Uh, there's a movie called Zillafoot, uh, which was done by <laughs> Anthony Polonia, who's um, the son of one of the of Mark Polonia, the Polonia brothers. Okay. They make a lot of B horror movies, and this one's an ode to the old Godzilla Ultraman movies, you know, from the '60s. And I play a character called Doctor Moscow, who's the comic relief, and. Everything's in English dub. Oh, nice. Now, I came in basically speaking like that, but it turns out they're going to like lose a frame or two, so it, the lips are always a little bit behind the dialogue anyway. Nice. <laughs> so, okay. And it's, it's got the, the Godzilla-type character and stuff, and I'm the comic relief, and hopefully that will come out before the end of the year, but I don't know for sure about that. Uh, I know it's almost basically done. But it's been edited while it's been filming, so it's not too much longer. So hopefully that'll be out, because that'll be a fun one. There's uh, some new Star Trek episodes that hopefully this year or next year, like The Holiest Thing, mm-hmm. Bread and Savagery. So there's those two. Well, I mean, it sounds like for somebody who admittedly 
kind of came to acting a little bit later, you've got a lot going on. So the congratulations on that. I'm excited to see more of your work. I really liked In Tales of Dracula. So I'm going to be watching. Is there a website that I can follow or people can follow to see what's coming up next for you? I have my main site, which is waynewjohnson.com which just has almost everything there. And I'm reworking the Caroline Blue one, so that'll be like three times as big <laughs> because <laughs> there's a lot more news on that. But for Caroline Blue, for example, that's mostly with Facebook and Reverb Nation and SoundCloud and all those links there. But I'm not really too active with Caroline Blue right now because I'm, I'm way more active with acting. I really wish I could clone myself sometimes <laughs> because, you know, I want to do some. I even have writing aspirations. So there's kind of exercise that a little bit with uh, the script for Romeo 3000. But I want to do a lot more, not just scripts, but actual books and stuff like that. But, you know, someday, <laughs> you know. Sure. But for me, uh, WayneWJohnson.com. I'm on Facebook, uh, WWJ Official, uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and almost any. I'm still on MySpace. <laughs> Although I don't very much, you know, I, I don't focus too much. My main focus really is Facebook, uh, Twitter, my own personal site, um, LinkedIn, sometimes Google Plus. Okay. You know, Google Plus is, is there in the mix too. And then there's also a newer one which I'm very lax in, but I'm trying to get into, which is Stage 32. Uh, that's a site primarily for actors and producers and stuff. Right on. Well, we'll make sure there's links to all of this over at monsterkidradio.net. Wayne, we've talked much longer than I originally thought we were going to so i appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this you know they can have fun at monster bash without us i had a blast chatting with you today yeah i had a great time too and um it'll be great i'll hear this it'll finally come out and it's like five minutes <laughs> when well, we, we had to edit that much you know because you were just rambling way too long so what, you know, what the hell wayne we're getting complaints <laughs> No, so. no, man, I've seen you play Dracula. I don't want to trifle with you. Come on. No, well. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't mention this in episode 217. Wayne's on Facebook, but he also has a website, WayneWJohnson.com. We'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes over at MonsterKidRadio.net. Wayne, thank you. I had a blast chatting with you and talking about Tales of Dracula, Star Trek, and just all sorts of other fun Monster Kid-related topics. And if Tales of Dracula 2 comes about, well, keep me posted. I mean, I'll start pestering Joe as well, but... And you know what? Maybe I'll even send an email to James Colley asking for more Walking Bear. Here among a billion stars, a lonely ship streaks along an endless path. It's the mammoth starship Enterprise. Follow her trackless journey each week on Star Trek. William Shatner stars as Captain James Kirk, starship commander. And Leonard Nimoy stars as science officer Spock. Half Earthling, half Vulcanian. There are hazards that beset the Enterprise and its crew on board ship and on alien planets. Don't miss Star Trek in color. Traditionally here on Monster Kid Radio, and I guess I can say traditionally because I've only done it for two months in a row, but traditionally here on Monster Kid Radio, the third Thursday of the month, I've started calling Cthulhu Thursday because it's the third Thursday of the month, and I love me my HP Lovecraft and weird fiction. Well, this clearly wasn't a Lovecraft-specific episode, but that doesn't mean I don't have some Lovecraft content, or at least a Lovecraft-related promo. Andrew Migliori. I'm the founder and the original director of the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, and I ran this thing for 15 years. But I'm doing a lot better now that I passed the torch on to Brian and Gwen. I'm here to personally invite you to our 20th anniversary. We have so much to offer. Feature films, shorts, panels, great guests, and you'll meet a lot of friends along the way. 
This year we have guest of honor, author Charles Strauss. Don't miss it. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Gwen, and we're the current directors of the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland, Oregon. Not only is this the 20th anniversary of the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, it's also the 10th anniversary of the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society's film, The Call of Cthulhu, and they will be presenting the special anniversary screening as part of a lavish night at the cinema, 1920 style. This is not just a film festival, this is also a Cthulhu Con, a big event that happens over three days across multiple venues, with panel discussions, author readings, gaming, vendors, and live performances. There are a lot of moving parts. You can help us cover some of our upfront costs associated with venue rentals, guests, film licensing, and the necessary evils of advertising and promotion. It also allows us to enhance the festival by providing some really fun ways for you to participate. And it gives us an excuse to create some really cool rewards and artifacts that we're making just for you. This year's theme is the Expedition to Relier. Even if you can't be with us at the festival, you can still support it by pledging for these unique rewards and expedition artifacts. Unlike many Kickstarters, which fund products you can buy later, our rewards are a thank you to the backers who support our festival, and most will not be available after the Kickstarter ends. Hey, uh, we gotta go. The expedition's leaving. Right. We'll see you in October. That is the Kickstarter video for the HP Lovecraft Film Festival happening here in Portland, Oregon, October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. It's the 20th anniversary. Now, the first year that we moved here to Portland, Oregon, I actually missed the Lovecraft Film Festival. I regret it, and I've kind of been making up for it ever since because every year... I go. The year we didn't have a car, I took public transportation to get there. I've taken taxis. I've found ways to get home one or the other. I have gone to the Lovecraft. I've set up camp in the Hollywood Theater because I love this festival, and I love that Portland has this. Now, if you're in the Portland area, I highly recommend you check this thing out. However, if you're not in the Portland, Oregon area, the Kickstarter campaign actually has several rewards that you can bag and will allow you to enjoy the festival from afar. So go check that out. Look up the Lovecraft Film Festival on Kickstarter or learn more about the film festival at hplfilmfestival.com. Is there a classic monster movie connection to Lovecraft? Well, I think so. We've talked about The Haunted Palace here on the show with Larry Underwood, a.k.a. Dr. Gangrene. I think if you really look, you can find some Lovecraftian themes in several Hammer films, Universal films. Hell, there's even three loosely linked films, sometimes called the Office of Scientific Investigation Trilogy. These are the movies The Magnetic Monster, Riders to the Stars, and Gog. They have some Lovecraftian elements in them. And they're just good movies anyway. So to me, linking Lovecraft to classic horror, it's easy to do. And that's why I always have such a good time at the Lovecraft Film Festival. You know, I'll be talking about it off and on up until the festival itself. So if you're going to be in the area, well, you know how it is. Look me up. I'll be the big guy wearing the Monster Kid Radio shirt who looks like he's having the most fun in the room. Origin of the solar system. Yes, gentlemen. We're witnessing the secret of creation. Mr. Mayor, the city must go dark to supply the power we need. And after 11 hours? What then? Then we'll need the entire power of Boulder Dam to feed it. We must make preparation to evacuate the city. Looking like creatures from another planet. These two scientists risked their lives to move the new titanic element to the one place where they might fight it. I'm going to set the machine and leave in time. So the men. But she isn't built to take such a load. She'll break up. Dr. Benton, our only hope is that she'll break that element before she breaks herself. This one man stood between the earth and doom. Only he dared face the terror of the monstrous thing that had suddenly come alive. A cosmic Frankenstein that threatened to engulf the world and hurl it into outer space. We're now going to set the Deltatron at its maximum output and close the floodgates. 
I want you all to leave. You've got about seven minutes to reach the surface. See, the magnetic monster battle its deadliest enemy, the giant Deltatron. See, the last desperate chance they took to check its appalling power. See it shatter the steel walls of its mammoth prison beneath the sea. This brings us to the end of Monster Kid Radio, but it doesn't have to stop now. You can head over to monsterkidradio.net to learn everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. If there's an episode you've missed, well, you can use this website to go and listen to any of the previous 217 episodes. And if you hear something that you want to talk about, well, give me a call. Our contact information is also on our website. We have a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. We also have an email address. So if you want to put together an audio file, a wave or an MP3, you can email it to me or just type an old fashioned email and send it to monsterkidradio at gmail. Also at our website, you can find links to our Facebook group. We have a pretty active community over there talking about all things monster movie related. We have a Patreon page where you can support Monster Kid Radio, become a patron of this podcast, and grab some awesome rewards along the way. And you can find a link to every single song that's appeared here on the show. Every band that's appeared on Monster Kid Radio appears with their permission. I've reached out to them, gotten their okay, and... You know, it'd be nice if we gave him a little bit of love back so you can find links to all of the different bands on the songs page. And speaking of songs, I want to get back to Vampire Surf from D. Crabbin. So let's wrap this up. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Vampire Surf. That can be found on the album Welcome to Surf Trash Island. The band is D. Crabbin, and they're based out of New Zealand. They actually have a gig coming up. August 2nd at Regent 58 Ale House in Carterton, Wairarapa, New Zealand. So if you're in New Zealand and looking for an awesome surf band to go support, that's where you can do it. Or just go to their Bandcamp page, dcrabben.bandcamp.com. Again, that's spelled D-I-E-K-R-A-B-B-E-N.bandcamp.com. Let them know that you heard them here first on Monster Kid Radio. We'll talk to everybody next week when Scott Morris comes back to the show to talk about the next film in the Planet of the Apes saga, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Talk to everybody next week.